Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. In today's episode, we're talking with my sweet friend, Mariko Clark, or Mari as I call her. Mari is an amazing writer who writes about hard questions, hope, and the Holy Spirit over on her blog, MarikoClark.com. Her writing is deep and real and always makes me cry in the very best way, but she tells the truth about life with pinches of humor and wit and sarcasm that leave you laughing while you're crying. It's just the best. Mari is also on my team here, working as my assistant and our community manager and basically just keeping every bit of this ship running. We are such a fan of hers, and I'm also such a huge fan of today's conversation. Today, Mari and I are talking about rest and self-care, two things that we have been learning a lot about lately, mostly the hard way, of course. We're talking about why it's so hard for us to take care of ourselves as women, how to get over the guilt and the shame that sometimes comes along with it. We're talking about what God says about rest and self-care, how to rest, how much rest we actually need, how to find pockets of time where we can actually take care of ourselves, even in the midst of crazy busy seasons, and so much more. We're also sharing a pretty big piece of news in this episode, so make sure to stay tuned until the very end. The other thing I wanted to make sure to tell y'all is that this is our last episode of season two of the Girls' Night Podcast. I cannot believe we've reached the end so fast. We're going to be taking a break for a month or so in the name of rest and self-care, and also so we can record more awesome episodes for y'all, but we will absolutely be back with season three. We are already getting so excited for it. And so, since this is our last episode, let's just dive right in. Here's my conversation with Mari. Well, friends, I'm so excited for what we have going on today. We have my dear friend Mari back here on the podcast. And I have to say, I made a really big deal with Hannah a couple weeks ago about Mm -hmm. how Hannah was our first repeat guest. Mm -hmm. And that was a total, like, lie. It just was so wrong. It was so wrong. So wrong. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. You guys, Mari was our first repeat guest. And this is actually, is this your fourth time on the podcast? I think it's my third. We did friend relationships. We did blogging. We you did interviewed and Carl. Carl. So this, this is my is, fourth time. This yeah. is my fourth. Okay, so if Hannah gets a plaque, you get like a three-tier trophy for okay. being here yeah, on I'll the podcast. Yeah, I'll take it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Mari, I know that the girls have gotten to, to meet you before, but can you just give us like a super quick snapshot of who you are, mm-hmm. what you do, and fun? I'll, I'll let you do either a fun fact or an embarrassing story, and it's even better if it's both. Okay. Um, so I'm Mari, Mari Clark Strayton. Um, most of you know me from my stint here at the Stephanie Mae Wilson team. Um, I answer your emails and I pack your boxes. Um, Keep the whole ship running. <laughs> I moved here to Nashville from Boston a few years ago. I'm, I wear a lot of hats. I'm a mom of two. As of, I have one that's brand new. Brand new. 11 weeks old. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm a mom of two. I'm a wife. I write. Um, I write at maricoclark.com. That's always in the show notes. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm probably best known to you all from my Instagram stories because everyone just knows Ada and I'm just Ada's mom. I'm just the stage mom along for the ride. She's So Ada is three, right? Yep. And she's like the best liver in the world. Like she yeah. has like all the energy and all the creativity and always is making up like new languages and mm-hmm. new 
jobs and I mean she's like just the most creative little nugget in the world and always makes me laugh and so if you just need like a pick-me-up go watch Mari's Instagram stories yeah like not to toot my own kid's horn but like she gets a lot of fan mail through me (laughs) from people being like I don't even have to watch puppy videos anymore Uh Ada is my cuteness funny fix and like the kid like I can't take credit for it she's just like yeah, like you said, she's really good at living. She's yeah. just got it figured out. She really does. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, so Mari, tell us your fun fact or embarrassing story. Oh, I have a hybrid. Okay, I've go. prepared this. My embarrassing story is also three fun facts about me. Um, so when I was working in publishing, I used to work in publishing, and we did this thing where our team, I was on the philosophy and religion team, I edited philosophy and religion books, and we were merging with another team. So our editor thought it would be cool if we just sent out an email sort of introducing ourselves so people could keep track of us. So we had to send a picture, our name, our title, and just, she said, just like write something about yourself. So I'm like, oh, cool. So I wrote, you know, I'm Mari, I'm the assistant editor. I, and I wrote three fun facts. I'm really good at writing thank you notes, making grilled cheese, and floating on my back. Like, those are two things that I feel exceptionally proud of that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt I'm excellent at. Like, when I say I can float on my back and I'm really good at it, like, I could, like, I go up and over waves and, like, I don't, you know how some people will, they'll tip. Yeah. Or you take it a whole bunch of water or something. Yeah. No, I don't. Okay. I'm like a canoe. (laughs) I'm like... (laughs) Like, I'm buoyant. (laughs) So those are my fun facts. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. So I send it to the editor. And so the whole, like, newsletter about the teams comes out. And everyone else on both teams has written, like, I'm Joshua. I'm an editor. I used to be on physics. And then I moved over to religion. And I am on the board of the art society, blah, blah, blah. Like all of these like job specific, sophisticated facts about themselves. Every single person. I was the only one who wrote anything even close to the weirdness that I wrote. And I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) I am the freak on the philosophy team that everyone's like, who is this? Why is she writing about grilled cheese? I just feel like it tells you what you need to know about yourself. You know? It told me like you probably shouldn't be working in publishing anymore. (laughs) These are not your people. Get out. If I had seen that, I would have been like, this girl needs to be my best friend. Also, you've never made me a grilled cheese, and I'm going to probably be mad about it until we rectify that situation. I'll make you grilled cheese, and it'll blow your mind. And I've added guacamole to that list. We had an Olympics party the other night, and I made a huge like vat of guacamole, and everyone was complimenting me on it. And I was just like, I knew that I should be like, oh, haha, thanks. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I know that this is amazing. I'm not prideful about very many things, but like I acknowledge that this is my one of my best qualities as a human is this guacamole that I made for you. I love this so Thank much, you. especially because um, so we went to a Super Bowl party about three weeks ago, and um, I our our friend Catherine asked us to bring. Um, guacamole like she was like just like I was like what can I bring she said oh like chips and guac and I'm like totally fine Hmm. now listen I'm not a good cook and everyone knows I'm not a good cook but I have made guacamole successfully before it's not that hard and so I figured I'd get some good avocados like some good tomatoes Mm -hmm. like put some hot sauce in there some salsa or whatever in there and it'd be fine because I've done that in the past and I promise it's worked well, okay, so I'm mashing up guacamole, I'm mashing up avocados, like, an hour before we're supposed to go over there to their house, and I keep tasting it, and it is, like, not good. And it's not horrible, it just tastes like mashed up avocados, but it's really bland, <laughs> really boring, like, n- just not, not good. 
So I'm like, okay, I can fix this. So I go to the store down the street and I buy an onion and garlic and hot yeah. sauce and like yeah. citrus and like all these things. And I'm mixing them together and I'm sweating and I'm like <laughs> mashing and I'm trying and I'm so full because I've eaten so many chips trying to test this guacamole. And Carl comes downstairs and he sees this and he goes, how long have you been at this? And I'm like, a long time. And he goes, did you have a recipe you're working off of? And I go, no, I was winging it. And he Never. Looks, he gives Carl. me this really sweet look, like like almost like you would pat a kid on the head who really tries. Oh, sweet stuff. He goes, oh, Good sweet try. stuff. I don't know if you should really wing things. Really. You know? <laughs> in like, the kitchen. In the kitchen. And then, and then he says something that initially was super offensive to me. And then, <laughs> and then he totally redeemed it. He goes, Steph, when people invite us over, or when we invite people over, we can just buy it. Like, whatever we're going to bring, we can just buy it. And at first, I was like, are you telling me I'm a horrible wife? And, like, I was immediately offended. But then he kind of pointed out, like, you're not good at cooking. Yeah. You're not a horrible wife. You're just a horrible cook. There's a difference. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what he's saying. It's so true. And he's like you don't like this stuff. Like, and if, if you like looked at the tally of all the money I spent on guacamole ingredients, if I would have just gone to Chipotle, I would have spent half the money. True. So like, if I would have just gone, it would have taken me 10 minutes and half the money to mm-hmm. bring really great guacamole. Instead, I brought mediocre guacamole that they had to fix when I got there. <gasps> Carl, I was like, just going to ask if they had to change it. Yeah. Carl, like, uh, and they were so, everyone was so nice about it, but they did like add a little bit of citrus and Carl mm. added some more salt and whatever. Yeah. And so anyway, the moral of the story is that I've learned I can just, just buy the thing. Yeah. Bring cookies, buy some. Buy some. Bring... Especially in Nashville. There's enough good food around for purchase. Yes. Yes. So that's what I've learned about myself. So your gift is my weakness, yes. which is the body of Christ at work. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise Amen. the Lord. All Amen. Right, let's get into it. Um, so Mari, I'm so excited about our conversation today, and I feel like it's so, it's perfect timing for both of us for so many reasons. Um, but today I really wanted to talk about rest and self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited to talk to you about this for a couple of reasons. And one is because I know you have been thinking about this for a long time. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about this because you know that rest and self-care is like maybe one of my biggest struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's something I have to, I think about all the time. It's something I'm not very good at. It's something I've been growing in and you've played a really big part in that. You've like really helped me with that. And so I'm really excited for girls to get to hear like uh, what that process has looked like for me. And you've been an enormous part of that. So that's really fun. Um, and then I'm also really excited to talk about this because I know I'm in kind of a crazy season right now, which it's funny that we're talking about rest and self-care because, like, I need that right now. Mm-hmm. And you, like we talked about, mm-hmm. have a brand new baby as well as another child and yeah. a life and a job and a husband and a house and mm-hmm. all these things. And so if anyone needs rest and self-care, it's these two girls. <laughs> it's true. Okay, so Mari, when did the idea of rest and self-care, like, kind of first start coming up in your brain? hmm um, I'm a slow learner, so I've been at this for like a decade now. <laughs> this has like been happening since college for me. Um, but I, when I sat down to think about it, the moment that crystallized for me was in college. I, so I had always been this achiever person, you know, I was always like, love to be super busy, fill my, fill my schedule. Like in high school, I did like the sports and the dance and I had a job and I just like was super, super busy all the time, super multitasking. Like I get a high from that. Love that. Um, same in college. I was like double majoring and I had a job and I was a teaching assistant and all this stuff. And then my sophomore year of college, I got mono 
And being the person that I am, I actually didn't realize that I even had mono because I was on the go, 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 go until I literally lit myself on fire. I was babysitting over the summer. Um, so I guess it was the summer after my sophomore years. I was babysitting for these like two kind of older kids. Um, and I was just so tired all the time and I wasn't used to feeling tired and I wasn't recognizing the signs in my life that I probably should have. And I, the girls are like talking to me and I'm leaning back on the counter and they had a candle lit. Um, and I just like sort of was like not really falling asleep, but like thinking about falling asleep, standing up. And one of the girls, she's like eight years old. She's like, um, you're on fire. And I was like, what? Ha ha ha. Sure enough, the back of my sweatshirt had caught fire on the candle. And I just did, you know, didn't even notice just I'm on fire. So the, my babysitting charges had to like pat the fire off of their babysitter's back and be like, oh, that was a close one. And the back of my sweatshirt had like a big scorch mark up the back, like part of it burned away. So that was like a really big wake up call. When I say I'm a slow learner, like I was lit on fire before I stopped to be like, hmm, let me evaluate my life. So come to find out I had mono and was so far into it already that the doctor was like, yeah, we can give you these, like, here's the medicine, but like, you should have been here a long time ago. And because of that, I ended up with adrenal fatigue, which is like this whole other thing, but it like, it affects your life in a lot of ways because it messes with your immune system. You're basically your adrenal glands. The way that my doctor told me, it was like, you know, they're usually these two spheres and yours are raisins. <laughs> like they had shriveled. There's no much, no more adrenaline left in them because when your body doesn't have the rest that it needs, it runs on adrenaline, which it shouldn't be doing. It's terrible for you. So then I was getting, so I head into the second half of my college career and I'm just tired all the time and I'm getting sick all the time because I have adrenal fatigue. And so I realized that I had, you know, taken on this identity of an achiever and it got to the point where I literally couldn't achieve. Like that's what it took for me to stop and consider rest. So I had, I guess in short, I had to learn this lesson of I'm, that I have value and I have purpose as just a human being not as a human having or a human doing or a human achieving, just like just being. Cause that's all I was able to do was to just be in bed, this little slug in bed, just, and God still loved me and purposed me and taught me and all the people who love me still did. Like your, my identity was so bound up in the things that I was able to do that once I couldn't do them anymore, it's like, Oh, I still have value. Hmm. Oh, I still am adored and called and purposed even just sitting here. Um, and then over the years, as I, you know, edited these world religion books, it's the, one of the things I've come to value and adore most about Christianity and the gospel that I think is pretty unique to Christianity is that there is no achievement involved that you can't earn your salvation or your love or your purpose in Christianity. I think that I would argue that Christ is the only deity that tells us like, you're good. Like, I love you just as you are, like you as a human being just sitting there. And I think that that gospel understanding of rest that I learned like way back in college has really like set the tone for the slow, very slow lessons that I've learned in like the 10 years since is like, that's at the core of it is that I'm valued just for being. I love that so <laughs> much. And it's funny because before, you know, before we started recording, you said something about, like, you can't light yourself on fire to keep other people warm. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. Like, you literally lit I literally <laughs> lit myself on That's why that quote means so much to me. I'm like, been there. Preach it. Oh, my gosh. The thing that brought rest back up into the forefront of my mind um, 
was actually, I went, I had the opportunity to go to Cambodia um, on a vision trip with World Vision um, in 2015. Um, and it was, the, I got to go back to Cambodia and it was really fun because I had been there on the world race and I, I hadn't gotten to go back to visit any of the countries I'd been to. Um, but so we were going to be there for a week and they hired me to just write blogs while I was there. And um, so I had been like working and working and working and like, you know, um, diving into what it means to be an author and a blogger and a speaker mm-hmm. and all these things and just like kind of working myself into the ground. And I, I got to Cambodia and the first day that we were there, they were really smart to build in a day of rest as our first day before we jumped into ministry or anything like that. And we get there and I, first of all, had really high hopes for how I was going to handle the time change because I was like, I'm a seasoned traveler. <laughs> I'm fine. I won't have jet lag. How much of a time change is it to Cambodia? Uh, I, and I'm trying to remember exactly. It's something like 14 hours. Okay. Like you're like completely backwards. There's a day yeah. that's just gone. It's, there's a day that's gone. Okay. So, but I'm like, I'll be fine. Well, so we get there and I'm like dead. Like I am absolutely dead to the world. And the thing I know about myself is that I can do some things when I'm tired, but creativity and especially writing isn't mm-hmm. one of them. So mm-hmm. like I cannot string a sentence together when I'm tired. And so we get there and I know we have a day of rest and I'm like, okay, thank God we have a day of rest because I can kind of pull things together so I can write and do the thing that they, you know, have me here to do for the rest of the time. Well, that first day, the rest of the people that were there were like, oh, like, so I get to breakfast and I'm like excited about this day of rest. Well, they go, okay, well, we're going to go to the, like the, like Russian market. We're going to go to the whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying to remember if it's Russian market, whatever. We're going to go to the market. We're going to go to the palace. We're going to go to here, all these things. And I'm like, wait, today is a day of rest. And they're like, well, but we've, we've, we're only going to be in Cambodia once. So, so like we should really do this. And I'm instantly feeling kind of like shame Mm -hmm. for wanting to rest. And I'm feeling FOMO. I'm like, this team doesn't know me. What are they going to think if I just spend all day like napping and lounging around? And so I go back to my room and I'm supposed to be grabbing my stuff so I can go with them. So there was like no rest. They weren't going to rest at all. And I'm in my room and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And I, FOMO is a major thing for me. Like it really is. I don't want to miss out. And I, you know, didn't want them to think poorly of me. And, um, so I sat there and it was like, honestly, like a come to Jesus moment for me. It was like a reckoning where I was like, what am I going to choose? I know what I need. And I know what other people expect of me. What am I going to do? Well, I ended up staying behind that day. And I rested and our hotel actually had, um, like a little spa in it where you could get like a 90 minute massage for $20 or something. It was amazing. Um, so I like got a massage. I hung out. I spent time with Jesus. I took a nap. I did all these things and the entire one, no one cared that I wasn't with them Two, I wasn't missing out on anything. I'd already been to the places that they were talking about three. Like I was able to write and, and, do so much better mm-hmm. for the whole rest of the time we were there because I had taken that time to like take care of myself. Yeah. And it just was this really enormous revelation for me and something that again like I'm still trying to put into place but I just realized that like we have different tools in ourselves that that allow us to do the things that we're meant to do in the world. And for me it's like my heart and my brain and my my writer, you know, I don't know what, what that is, but you know, it's, it's like my soul and I can't give anybody anything if those things are in such bad shape and they were in mm-hmm. such bad shape from the time change. And yeah. so like, it just was the first time that I realized I have this tool and it, and it, that tool needs to do a job. Mm-hmm. If I don't take care of that tool, 
it's like a like a quarterback or something. Like he needs to take really good ha- care of his hands and his shoulders and like mm-hmm. their whole teams to help him take care of those things because he cannot do his job if he doesn't take care of those things. And it was the first time I realized that there was a correlation between between those two things. Mm-hmm. So I always keep coming. I always come back to that like that day when I said no. Like I'm I'm gonna stay behind. I'm gonna get a massage. I'm gonna take a nap. Like it just making those decisions changes changes everything. And that was maybe the first time I'd ever really realized that. Yeah. So Mari, what do you, I know that there are a lot of things that come in between us and rest and self-care. Can you talk mm-hmm. about like what some of those obstacles are? I know you have some really, really great thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I've been giving this a lot of thought very recently because I had my second daughter. So I have two little girls and it's really been making me think a lot about womanhood and the messaging that I want to pass on to them and the messaging that they're bombarded with. And, you know, it's my job as their mom to filter that for them. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about um, rest and about the ways that women don't access rest and either feel like they can't or shouldn't. Um, and I think part of it is sort of this, like, the the two sides to one coin in that I'm so excited that my girls are born in a season where overall, like, there's some bugs to work out, but overall the messaging that our girls in our society in this day and age get is you can be anything that you want to be Mm -hmm. and you can do anything that you want to do and you should do all of those things. I think that's awesome. I think we've come so far in that way and I'm so excited to raise girls who will go to school and they'll be asked like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And like, it could be any answer that they want. I really, really love that. But I think the flip side of that coin that we've come so far in this way that we maybe haven't caught up to ourselves in a way is that girls can do everything but you don't have to Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like you we took girls from doing these like very stereotypical like maybe like housewifey 50s like you should only be barefoot in the kitchen type of thing and then we gave them this messaging of like no you can you can do whatever you want you can have a career you can stay home with your kids you can do whatever you want And so now they're doing both, Both. which is great. But I don't think we've taught girls how to filter out some of those things. Because not everyone, like, every nobody should be doing all the things. Men shouldn't be doing all the things. Women shouldn't be doing all the things. No human can do all of those No human can do it all. But we haven't quite reached that point where we are appropriately, I think, showing girls how to filter through and decide which things give them the most life and which things can maybe just be left out Mm -hmm. um and it's different for every girl and I think that's the difficulty is that it's tough to give a great model um and we don't have a ton of great models I think in media or the shows that girls are watching and it's getting better and I don't want to be the cloud on the parade like it's getting better and I'm really proud and excited for the role models that my girls do have in media or in my life um but I think that an easy example is in advertising or in media, a lot of times um, when men are shown accessing relaxation or rest, it's sort of this messaging of like, you've earned it, good for you. After a long day at work, you want to crack open a Budweiser. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's this messaging of like, you deserve this. And then when women are showing accessing rest or relaxation in media, largely it's sort of this like, like sneaking indulgence like you know the mom who goes around the corner to have like her little 
like granola bar or whatever the commercial is for, that it's seen as like this pampering or this indulgence, like a luxury that for men, largely rest is portrayed as something that they've earned or deserve. And for women, largely it's shown as something that is a luxury, Mm -hmm. something that they are treating themselves to. And I think that that's where a lot of the shame and disparity comes in for me at least. And then I'm hoping to work through to the point where I can, you know, eliminate that for my daughters is that there's absolutely no shame in taking care of yourself or having a granola bar or, you know, doing any of the things that cracking open a beer after work. Like you don't, this isn't like a treat for you. This is something that you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, or to, or even to admit that, not even admit to acknowledge that you're not doing it all and you shouldn't do it all. Yeah. That in a way is like a great rest and a great, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity mm-hmm. and it's being a responsible human. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense that like, I, I don't know a whole lot of men that have a hard time resting. Yeah. And I think it's because, yeah, they, they have pretty specific messaging about what their, what is their job and what's not, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and for us, like, I, I am with you. I love that the door has been cracked open in so many ways. And like, yeah, we still have a little bit of work to do, but, um, that we can do anything, but also, yeah, there's a lot of messaging that says we should be able to do everything Mm -hmm. and we should be able to be all things to all people. And if we're not, we're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And because we should be being all things to all people, if we are taking time away from those people and doing something for ourselves, we feel like we are doing, we're harming them or like we're, we're withholding something good from the people we're responsible to by sitting down and making the kids wait 10 minutes while we eat the granola bar, Yep. you know? Yeah. And it's just, there's a lot of guilt and shame Yep. that comes with it. Yeah. And I think that that's like been, I think that that's kind of the, one of the things that's hardest for me. I think one, one thing that's hard for me about rest is that, um, I am such like an achiever. Like Mm -hmm. I have, goals and dreams and things I want to do. And I love like getting stuff done that, that really, I think one of the primary people like pushing me to not take time to rest is me. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's when I talked about how, like, there's sort of a couple parts of me where there's this like part of me that has this checklist and is like blazing trails and, you know, getting things done. There's also the side of me that's like, listen, like you need to take care of yourself. And the one that has the checklist is pretty loud. Yeah. And so that's kind of been like a reckoning for me. Um, but I think another thing is that, um, we've talked on the podcast before about Enneagram, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm a two, which means that my whole everything is relationships and Mm -hmm. is taking care of people and is loving people. And that's like all I want to do. But when I have, um, I would say like 10% left in my tank or something, and then someone calls me and needs something like I'm already like, at zero. You know, I mean, I'm scraping the bottom. I'm exhausted and I'm cranky and I don't have anything good left to give. But I even, but I feel so guilty not giving that 10% because I have something that this person needs Mm -hmm. and I'm saying no to them. And that's so hard for me. It's so hard for me to say like, I know you need something, but I'm going to choose me over you. But something that's been really enormous is seeing that I actually can't help you if I don't use this 10%. Like Mm -hmm. I need to fill up to more than 10%. Otherwise I can't give you anything good. Um, we had Beth McCord on the podcast earlier this season Mm -hmm. and she's awesome. awesome. Um, and she's the one who talks a lot about Enneagram 
and I'm pretty sure it was her, she was talking about that thing, and this is like an example we all use when we're talking about rest and self-care, is being on an airplane, Mm -hmm. and they tell you, you need to put on your oxygen mask first before you help anybody else. And I always thought that was selfish. Like, are you kidding? Like, Mari, if you're on a plane and Ada needs an oxygen mask, you are absolutely going to reach for her first. Yeah. But the thing Beth told me, and I really, I should have, like, looked this up to make sure this was the, like, exact fact, but it's, like, pretty close. Beth said that um, you have, when there's a loss of cabin pressure, you have 15 seconds before you black out without that oxygen mask. And 15 seconds isn't enough time to help somebody else. It's just not. And so if you don't put your mask on first, you are actually only helpful for 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you put your mask on first, you can get the mask on the other people who need your help. Mm-hmm. You can actually, you save more people that way mm-hmm. or you, you're, you're more effective that way. It's yeah. what makes sense. Um, it seems backward, but it's so accurate. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's like, that's what I found too, is that when I'm running on empty and when I'm like scraping out the nothing that I have and giving it away, like I'm not helping that person and I'm not helping anybody else either. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm snappy to the closest people to me. I'm, um, I'm not effective. I don't mm-hmm. write anything good. I like, I just, nothing good comes out of me when it's, when I'm scraping that low. And so there's kind of that, that, so I have to like work through that guilt of saying, listen, I know that this seems selfish, but this is actually better for me and it's better for you. Just, mm-hmm. I just need a minute, you know? Yeah. But it's really hard to do. Oh, absolutely. It's, because it seems so selfish. And I think that we as women are so aware of not being selfish. Yeah. You don't want to be a mean girl or, you know what I mean? Someone who's self-focused or high maintenance or yeah, whatever any of those like shame-filled terms are that we project onto women who, God forbid, take time for themselves. Well, and I think that there are some like some of the hardest and maybe most shame-filled messaging is like Christian messaging. Yeah. And the fact like the second we like tie God's name to it, where we say like, you're not serving, like God calls you to serve. So you're not by, by, by being selfish, like you're, um, being a bad Christian. Like that's like, that may be where we get that message more than anything, but that's not the case. You and I were actually talking about that a little bit before, um, before we started recording about like what God says about rest. Can Mm -hmm. you kind of like talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I think we were talking about how self-care sort of has been, the term self-care is very trendy in our generation, which I think is a great thing, but, um, we were sort of talking about how in the Christian realm that's maybe scoffed at or frowned upon as yes, selfish or self-centered when, you know, the whole message of Jesus Christ is to be a servant to others and to sacrifice yourself for others and to, um, to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. (laughs) Like that's the false messaging we've been given about what we should be doing as imitators of Christ. And so this idea of self-care is seen as maybe selfish or materialistic or, um, Mm anti-gospel But in reality, like when we look at scripture in the way that Jesus talks about rest, there's so much scripture to support that, that, you know, God, Jesus, as our shepherd leads, leads us beside still waters and green pastures, and he restores our soul. And that God says, come to me, all you who are weary and you'll find rest. And I think that the, maybe the anti-gospel that I would say is something to be cautious about with self-care is when self-care becomes, I can restore myself. By going to get a pedicure, 
I'm going to be the one bringing rest to myself and seeing as you're seeing yourself as the source of life or seeing yourself as the source of rest as with anything that's destructive or sinful in our lives we put ourselves where God should be hmm. I think that at the heart of God's message about self-care or about rest is like I'm the source of life and you just keep forgetting that and we say like we're slow learners like we keep forgetting that when you go to get a pedicure, it shouldn't be that like, I'm doing this to take care of myself because I'm my own source of life. It's that I'm doing this because I recognize that I'm an image of God. I'm an image bearer and I'm purposed and worthy as I am and taking care of myself in my body, the temple that is myself in a way that's kind and that, that messages to my specific self that I am worthy of time and effort and creativity and beauty, then that's the message of the gospel, that the source of your life and your rest is in Jesus. And when you set up space and time to acknowledge that, to acknowledge that Jesus is in you and that it's worth taking care of yourself and that the source of life in you needs to be fed and needs to be given space to be fed and nourished and flourish and am I making sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's like the, the crux of it is that we, I think when we don't take care of ourselves, we're giving ourselves the message that we don't matter. Yeah. And like, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I'm still kind of unpacking like how to talk about this or how to explain it. But like, when we look at the relationships in our lives, I, I, made a list a while back. Um, I was actually reading the Brene Brown book you sent me. Oh yeah. Um, but I made a list of the relationships in my life and I was not on the list. Like the most important Mm. relationships to me were like, God, Carl, my family, my best friends. Like, I mean, it was all the way down and I was nowhere on my list. And the thing is we are a relationship for Mm -hmm. ourselves. We are in a relationship with ourselves. We are our most present coworker. We are our our continuous shopping buddy. We are our, like, we are everything. We do everything with ourselves, but we, I think, just kind of ignore ourselves. We ignore our needs. We shame ourselves for having needs. And, like, that's something that we um, would never do to someone that we love. And we just are really bad at loving ourselves. We, like, if I have a need, I, like, I I really do. I shame myself for having the need. Whereas if you said, Stephanie, I'm hungry, I would feed you. Yeah. And I think that that's like, when we're taking care of ourselves, we're acknowledging the fact that we are God's creation and that we are, we are worth the kind of love and care that we would show to anybody else. Yeah. Um, and, and like, you know, one of the questions we kind of opened it up for questions over on Instagram, which was really fun. And one of the questions we got was like, Okay, so is self-care just like pedicures and eating chocolate? Or yeah, what I wish it? I hadn't like, used the pedicure example. Well, I love that you did because the thing about it is that I think that we think like self-care is is filling up your soul. And it's it's going to, um, and I, I love that you mentioned that like it's important that we go to the source. Like God is the source of our, of our, our rest and our filling up. Like, the, yeah, just getting a pedicure is not going to do it, you yeah. know? But, like, I think that the other kind of mistake we make is thinking that the only thing we can do to fill up is, 
listen to worship music or read our Bible. Yes. It's like, wait, no, it's so much more than that because we are physical beings. Like, Mm -hmm. we require food and water and sleep and... And beauty. Beauty, yes. Like, we are so... My soul is never more nourished than when I'm standing at the edge of the ocean because, Mm -hmm. to me, it feels like staring God in the face. Mm -hmm. You know? It, like, it restores something in me that I can't explain. And, And so, like... I think that getting a pedicure, taking care of our physical selves is a, re- is a real act of worship. It's God is so much bigger and, so, and able to fill us up in so many more ways than just sitting down and reading yeah. our Bible. Yeah, and I think that's sort of what I was trying to get to, and I don't know if I did it well, with the pedicure example is like, yeah, you're not doing any, yourself any favors or doing anything for yourself by just getting your toenails a different color. But if sitting there creates a space of quiet and delight that and tenderness that then you can connect with the Holy Spirit from a place of confidence and feeling cherished, then that is so much more important than, you know, beating yourself over the head and sitting at your desk and making sure that you read your Bible for 15 minutes. Otherwise you're a bad Christian. Like, one of those Everyone things. should read their Bible, but there's this like life-giving, affirming, welcoming that comes when we participate in self-care as a part of worship. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think we got there somehow. <laughs> in that we got there. I would just hate for someone to come away from the podcast thinking, "I need to only get." pedicures instead of reading my Bible. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. I hope you get what we're saying. It's yeah, it's it's taking care of yourself. It's creating space to breathe and it's like it's treating yourself like someone who is valuable and it's whatever way and the thing that I love about self care is um it looks different for everybody. Yeah. And it looks different in different season. Um there's a an author um named uh, Emily P. Freeman and she's really great and I feel like yeah, she, she is great like she's like really good at this resting um but her whole thing is creating space for your soul to breathe mm, and that's what that. it is that's uh-huh. whatever it looks like for you and it's different in different seasons and different seasons we can afford different things different seasons we have time for different things but it's creating space for your soul to breathe for you to connect back to beauty for you to connect with your own thoughts for you to acknowledge your need and meet your need mm-hmm. um in the ways that you can and to create space to connect with the Lord so he mm-hmm. can restore you in ways that only he can. So Steph, as your assistant being behind the scenes, um, we've definitely talked about and worked on some ways that you help take care of yourself. Um, I feel like everyone would like to hear that. Like they see the Instagram photos, but maybe some more specific examples of ways that you self-care. Yeah. Well, so I think kind of like the overarching thing as I was thinking about this is that I really have tried to be I like we talked about I really have tried to treat myself like someone worthy of taking care of like mm-hmm. I I try to take care of the people in my life and adding myself to that list as someone worthy of taking care of has been really big and so really one of the biggest things is just allowing myself to ask myself hey what do you need right now and actually not shaming myself for whatever the answer is and just like giving it to myself so if it's like um you know, on Sunday night, um, we were invited to a friend's house and, um, Carl was going to go and he really wanted to go. And I knew that I needed a night to just be home. I allowed myself to say, Hey, like, 
like, Steph, what do you need? You know, just, like, mm-hmm. pull myself aside and just say, hey, like, do you want to go tonight or do you just need some time by yourself? And I said, I need some time by myself. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, you can yeah. have time by yourself. Yeah. And just, like, t- talking to myself tenderly like that and, like, asking the question and actually giving myself what I need mm. has been huge. But um, there have been some, like, specific things that I've been doing. And I'm hoping that you can kind of help me if I forget some of them because, really, I mean, I've been, like, in the school of self-care because I've needed it yeah. so desperately. Um. So you mentioned quiet times, mm-hmm. um, and it, that looks different for me in different seasons, but I really do try to start my day with God more out of like, um, sometimes it's like emptying my brain, just being like, God, like, here's what I'm thinking about these days. Can, can you help me with this? Or sometimes it's really intentionally praying for some of the things I know I have coming up or for the people in my life. I try to do that. Um, sometimes it's like, I know that if I'm going out into the world, like, as an ambassador for the Lord, which we all are, I like need to be filled with him. And so Mm -hmm. it's connecting back to him and and reading his word and like making sure that I'm like standing on his truth and and that I'm like, that I'm, it's almost like I picture if you're like walking through a crowd with someone and you want to make sure you don't lose them, like you reach out to grab their hand. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in the morning, like I just need to reach out and grab his hand and be like, Hey, I'm still here. You're still here. Cool. All right, let's do this together. Um, one of the most sacred things for me in my whole life has been going on walks. And sometimes I, I think you can kind of tell in like how stressed out I am or how tired I am or whatever, if I've been going on walks lately, because I need them. And and that's really been a big thing that I've been doing too, that I really try to do is like getting outside, taking a walk. It's like really meditative for me mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, one thing that I've been doing that has been really important and big is, um, setting boundaries on my time when it comes to like connectivity. So I know, so a lot of my job is online, you know, and so Mm -hmm. that requires like Instagram and it requires being on my phone and stuff. But I've noticed that like spending an infinite amount of hours scrolling and just being on my phone is really, it may look like rest because I'm not really doing anything, but it totally is draining for me. Um, and so something I've tried to do is I don't check my phone first thing in the morning. I like use it as my alarm, but, um, I don't check my phone first thing in the morning. And actually when I'm going, well, I'll get to that in a second. So I don't check my phone in the morning. I'm only on Instagram, usually like during the work day. And if I need to post something at night, I'll post it really quick and then just get off. Um, but usually kind of at the end of my work day or at around like seven or so lately and on the weekends too, I've been putting my phone on airplane mode because I just like need it to be okay that sometimes I'm not available. Yeah. Um, and even for like, I try to be really, really available for the, for my closest people. But even sometimes like if my mom has a question about like something random, you know, I have to say, I, I need to not be on my phone right now. Or if like my friends are doing a group text or whatever, I just, I'll respond in the morning. Um, and so like, I really have tried to, to include some times in the week, um, that I am totally disconnected. So my phone's on airplane mode. It's put away. I didn't bring it to dinner. Like, and usually like I've been trying to do that around like seven each night. So I'm just not on my phone all night. And then I try to do it on the weekends too. So I can just kind of get back to me, you know, and and God and my friends and my family. It's just like kind of like reground. Yeah. Um, And that's been a really helpful thing also. And I think for you specifically, that's really helpful because a lot of your job lives in your phone. Yeah. So I think for girls who have that type of job where like you have your emails popping up and your notifications, or if you have the type of job where your your boss or your coworkers may be texting you, then to shut that off is yeah. such a big step. And to frame it in a way that may be helpful for girls who don't have that is if you have the type of job 
basically, I think Steph is saying, like, make your work life inaccessible at times. That, like, if you're a hairstylist and someone asks you, like, outside of your business hours, like, oh, could you give me a quick haircut? Like, it's totally okay to be like, you know what? I actually can't, but... I'm happy to reserve a slot for you tomorrow in my schedule. Or like, tonight is not great for me, but how about I come in a little bit early tomorrow and I'll take care of you then. Yeah, I think there's ways to keep your your work from sort of edging its way into your free time because your free time is when it's going to be the easiest way for you to set up pockets of rest. Yes, yes. Um, I think, yeah, like setting limits to say, hey, I'm not available right now. Mm-hmm. is just something we don't do. We're always available and we mm-hmm. don't need to be always available. Yep. Um, and I mean, it, and that's, it's different for everybody, but I just know that I don't feel rested mm-hmm. that way. Um, something else that I've been doing is just um, there have been, I feel like my life isn't necessarily balanced in terms of in the day mm-hmm. always, but someone, and I, I'm trying to remember who it was, told me that balance actually you can zoom out on balance a little bit and it's it's bigger than just in a day. Like sometimes you have a balanced week or sometimes mm-hmm. you have a balanced yeah. month or something. And so like you've gotten to see that there are some times in my work that are really, really intense um, and we're really busy and like, you know, I try not to work at night, but I am working at night. Yeah. I try not to work on the weekends, but I do work on the weekends and it's just like that sometimes. Um, but recognizing, okay, it's been like that for a little while, but that's only going to be a season. And at the end of that season, I need to say, all right, that moment's up yeah. and carve out like a weekend of actual rest where I'm not on my phone and I'm not working or, um, like really make sure that kind of when I'm looking at the whole season, it's not go, 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 go hundred yeah. percent of the time. There's that awareness that like when it is really busy, I think it's really important to acknowledge this is really busy right now. Yes. And to check in with yourself, like, am I, do I still have enough in my tank? Yeah. Like I'm running low, but I recognize that this is just the season that I'm in. Yeah. And I'm going to create, I'm going to be intentional about when things slow down. Yeah. Like you said, to take time then, but to take, to zoom out on your own balance is really important. I agree. Yeah. Um, and then I think the only other thing I could think of, which if truly, like if you can think of anything else, let me know. But, um, just recognizing kind of what you're pouring out and what you need to be poured back, what you need like to have poured back in. Mm. Um, and so for me, like I, a lot of my pouring out is really relational. Um, and so I need, I need time where I'm learning and growing in my own life. And so, um, I've been even more intentional about that lately where, um, I've joined, um, actually two, which is a little crazy, but it's actually been, it's been restful in a a different way. Um, I've joined two small groups. And so two nights a week, I have like other people talking about the Lord and leading me and Mm. pouring into me and like, um, where I'm not, I'm not the leader, which is really, really great. Um, and then also we've talked a lot this season, especially about counseling that I'm going to counseling once a week. And so once a week, there's a person who's there to like ask me questions and help me and pour into me and Mm -hmm. stuff. And, um, actually I, I'm glad I remembered this, but, um, counseling days are always a little more, a little more emotional because you're like, opening up your heart and oh, stuff. Yeah. It's, it's like raw. Yeah. It's a little, yeah, it's like a tender day. Um, and so something I've started doing is that after counseling on Thursdays, usually it's, I try to do it every Thursday. Um, I take myself out on a date and my phone is off and I go to lunch and I bring my journal and I kind of like process through some of the things I just learned. And for like probably an hour after counseling, like I'm just, I took myself out to lunch someplace great and I'm just by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's been like, I don't know. I think that, um, I think we think like we don't need to 
know how to have alone time once we're married or once we have kids. Or so, but like, it's more important than ever then to like have the kind of relationship with yourself where you can say, I'm a little more tender on Thursdays and, mm-hmm. and I need some time with myself. And so I'm going to do something kind for myself. Yeah. And I think that that fits into we, before we started recording, I was telling Steph, one of the best pieces of parenting advice I'd ever been given is sleep begets sleep. And so if you have kids, you obviously know this, that a kid who is acting hyper and cranky and insane probably needs sleep. And it seems backwards because when you go to put them down, they're flailing around and they don't want to be in bed and they're fighting sleep. But it's because the, like, if you get into the biophysics of it, they have all this cortisol, like they're running on their adrenaline. So it makes them feel stressed out. So they can't just like settle and go to sleep. They don't accept sleep as something that they need to do. But kids who take long naps sleep better at night. It seems backwards that they should be getting too much sleep, that they shouldn't be sleeping at night. And I think it's really similar for rest that when we create pockets of rest, when we make even that one decision that like Steph decided, okay, I'm going to take myself to lunch on Thursdays. Then when she's at lunch on Thursdays resting, she's going to hear from the Lord ways that she needs to prioritize other areas in her life to create more rest. And when she, now that I know, even as her assistant, that she's, she takes Thursdays for rest, I'm not hitting her up with emails or questions because I'm like, okay, Thursday's rest day. I just know that. So then you're not even being bombarded with things to pull you away from rest and it's begetting more rest. Mm -hmm. So rest begets rest that if you even make, like it can feel really overwhelming to be like, okay, I need to rest. Like you recognize that in yourself and you're like, there's just no time. Mm -hmm. Like make the tiniest little decision and it'll create more. Somehow it's just this magical backwards thing that like when you create space for rest, you end up creating more and more and more spaces for rest and you end up becoming the best version of yourself or a better version, slowly but surely over 10 years after you let yourself on fire. (laughs) (laughs) This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. 
If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash friendship. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Mari, one question that we got, um, and then I want to hear like kind of some practical things you've been doing in your life to find rest um but we got a question about like how do you know like how do you know the difference between rest and self-care and like laziness Mm -hmm. like when is it too like too much because I think it it is really important that like we are called to work and we're called to do things in the world and in God's kingdom and to Mm -hmm. love other people and we are called to like pour ourselves out for people yeah um how do we know like how much is how do you know how much is too much I think that there's a couple things at play here Part of it, I think, is this this concept of laziness. Um, I think that, at least in my life, something that I've come to recognize is that rest is such, and we sort of hit on it, such a spiritual concept. It's not 
just the practical tips that we're sharing, which are great, but the practical tips are to make way for these intentional spiritual decisions. And I think that it should be acknowledged that we have, you know, we have an enemy in this world who's resisting our most beautiful stories. And I'm writing my most beautiful story when I'm resting. I'm a better mom. I'm a better friend. I'm a better worshiper. I'm a better wife when I'm resting, when I'm reconnecting with my source of life and beauty and purpose. And so I think that I've come to realize that anytime I come up with an excuse or a reason not to rest, I have to take a beat and, you know, stand that up against scripture and take every thought captive like God tells us to, that is, is this really a reason not to be you know, taking these steps towards rest? Or is this just a lie that's been created to keep me from my most beautiful story? Mm -hmm. Um, So, and for me, almost every time, it's just a lie. Like, there's no reason for me not to be resting most of the time. Of course, there's exceptions to that. Um, But I think that the concept of laziness, it's, it's definitely something that's in scripture and God tells us, and there's all these proverbs about like, don't be a sluggard. (laughs) And like, of course that is a thing, but I think especially for women and especially in our society, very few of us are actually lazy. Very few of us are actually struggling with inertia. I think laziness is just a term that's been thrown on rest by our enemy to keep us from accessing the Holy spirit in a way that's true and meaningful and consistent. I think, um, like we, the word lazy carries with it so much shame. And I think that rest carries with it so much shame. Like we, like we feel like we need to qualify things. We feel like we need to prove that how tired we are before we take any time for ourselves. We feel like we need to apologize, all these things. And, um, and you're right. I think that that's like, I think that there's so many things at play that, that that are not good. None of them are good. Um, we should allow ourselves and other people to rest and whatever they say is like what they need. Yeah. We're not the, we're not the talliers of these things. Like yeah. we're, who are we to say like, you've rested too much yeah. to anybody. Um, I think that when with ourselves, like I think taking a look at yourself and seeing if, are you resting or are you making excuses for not engaging with your life? Like mm-hmm. that's something only you know. And, and you'll kind of feel that in your spirit. Like, you know, I'm saying I'm doing self-care, but what I'm really doing is hiding, practicing. But the other thing is like looking at what kinds of rest you're seeking out. Mm -hmm. Because I think that um, there's a difference between rest and restoration Mm -hmm. and uh, like lack of movement or something. Like like watching Netflix for 12 hours, actually at the end of it, you're not going to feel as restored as you think you will. And so if you're spending all of your time watching Netflix in in the name of self-care, I would challenge that. Because one, I think that there are other things in the world that you are meant to be doing. And also I think at the end of that, you're actually not feeling much better. Yeah. That's funny. I feel like Netflix is just this like, this like powerful black hole. Yeah. That can be so great sometimes, but like mostly not so great. Like you said, I think that if it's pulling you away, if it's a, it's, if it's this creating this refusal to meet with your maker, the way that you're supposed to in a season of restoration, then that's probably can be your sort of, to the girl who asked that question, that can be kind of your check is like, does this thing that I'm calling self-care and rest, does it create space? Does it create tenderness? Does it create delight for me to meet with my maker, the source 
of all of my life and beauty and purpose. If that's the case, then yeah, that I think you can call that rest and you should never put a limit on it. It should be bottomless. And I think that if it that is the case, it'll only create more rest in the way that we talked about. It'll beget more rest. But at least like for practical notes, yeah, like Netflix, I recognize, especially as a mom of two, that there are seasons where I'm so depleted that sitting and watching a show on Netflix is just what my brain needs to just take a breather. Yeah. I can't even engage in rest. I can't even sit and meet with God in a way that's meaningful because I can't even form thoughts sometimes. So sometimes Netflix or some of these inane things that we participate <laughs> in, sometimes they're necessary, at least for me, yeah. to just sit in neutral. Yes. If we're talking about like our fuel tanks, if I find myself running low on fuel and I'm like, I'm not depleted, but I, I'm feeling low... I just want to sit in neutral for a minute and just take a beat before I either A, have to get up and keep giving, or B, then engage intentionally in something that's really life-giving and that I'm excited about, but I just need a beat before I do. So sometimes that means like, yeah, I'll watch a show on Netflix at the end of the day, and then I go do my rest things. Yes. You just like give your mind a second to calm down. And so like we're not demonizing Netflix, but I think Steph, like use your brain. Like you're smart, you know. Yeah. And like, yeah, like, um, if we're talking about specifics, I realize I like have digressed from the original question. So for me, something like coasting on neutral for me is watching Netflix and having a snack. And that's great. And we all love it. There's nothing like it. Um, something that's like tank filling for me, um, reading fiction specifically. I found that for my work for so long when I was working in publishing and then when I was working in advertising and now even with you or my own writing, I read a lot of nonfiction because I have to, and mm-hmm. I love it, and I'm always learning something, but I find that when I'm reading nonfiction and when I'm learning, you know, I'm in there with my highlighter, and I'm taking notes, and I'm thinking of ways that then this applies to my life, or that I want to, you know, blog about it, or whatever. When I'm reading fiction, it just kind of allows my mind to be free and to delight, um, and it feeds my soul and my creativity in a way that nonfiction can't. And maybe not everyone is like that. So I've been reading the Wrinkle in Time Quartet, Quintet. There's five of them in anticipation of this movie. And it's been delightful. It's like, I I mean, it's young adults. So it's not this challenging, beautiful work of literary. It's not a literary masterpiece, but it's beautiful. And it's like, you know, stretching my mind and making me feel more creative, um, I paint sometimes. This is something I don't tell people because then inevitably people are like, can I see your paintings? And I'm like, absolutely not. No. Um, I realized that I wanted to paint. This was last Christmas. I think I told you this last Christmas. Um, Someone gave Ada, my three-year-old, she was two at the time, paints and like, you know, like little baby easel. And so she wanted to paint. So we're painting together. And of course we start painting our faces and our hands and her stomach um, because she's two. But I'm like smushing, this sounds so simple, I'm like smushing these colors together on the easel. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Oh, I'm mixing a little yellow here. Ooh, that's cool. Like something about mixing the colors just brought so much simple delight to my heart that I was like, oh, maybe I should start painting. So I do now. Every once in a while, I just get out my paints and I listen to some Johnny Swim and I just smush colors together and they're the dumbest, ugliest paintings. But that's been a lesson that I've had to come to learn about rest is that it shouldn't involve achievement 
And I think people like you and me are going to try and do that, going to try and sneak our achievement into our rest because multitasking is like the name of the game. Right. And I think for me, learning a lesson about that has been you shouldn't be achieving while you're resting. Like you don't have to make a painting worth selling, which is usually my goal. Like, how could I sell this? Like, no, absolutely. You can't. First of all, like you're terrible. (laughs) Second of all, (laughs) you're bad at this. That's not the point of it. It should be the rest for the sake of rest. So, um, I do yoga and I'm terrible. I'm the least flexible human on planet earth, but I'm not trying to win any yoga awards. Yeah. Like Drew pops up into his headstand, like it's nothing. And I have to just recognize that's not my thing. The Lord has not blessed me in that way. I am just doing yoga because it's great for me and because it's soothing. I'm not like trying to get into my crow pose consistently. I'm not making paintings that are worth selling. Um, and I think that that's, has been a big lesson for me. Oh, and another tangible thing I feel like I should share for any other, either parents out there or people who maybe just have roommates that are really intense, anyone who needs to physically get away from the humans who live in your living space um, without actually leaving the house. I've been doing these worship showers. This is like my new mom tip for any other moms. I need to sometimes just be inaccessible to my kids, not just mentally and spiritually, but physically. So much of what I do as a mom, especially as I'm nursing, is physical. Like, I, they take so much from me physically that I just, like, need to not be touched sometimes. So I've been doing this thing. I got a, a shower speaker for Christmas from my dad, and so I crank up my worship tunes on my shower speaker to the point where I can't hear anything except for that. And then I take a nice long shower, and I got my hands raised in the shower, praising the Lord, like doing my worship time. And it is so restorative to me. And sometimes it's the the quiet time I get for the day. Quote unquote quiet yeah. time. It's really loud, but it's my quiet time. Yeah. That I'm physically inaccessible in the bathroom. I can't even hear my kids crying if they are. And I just... Because someone else is taking care of them. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Please <laughs> recognize that I do this when my kids are napping and I have the monitor or when my husband's home. <laughs> this is not neglectful. Um, yeah, and I just like getting my worship zone. And that's been so restorative to me. It's a simple thing, just like my little worship showers. But like new mom's got a shower and there's always worship music there. So I love that's that. my new thing is my worship showers. And like, I've told enough people that they think it's funny now. Like if I'm like freshly clean, they're like, Oh, did you worship today? Like, I love that. Yeah. That's I think thing. that like, um, I love rest and self care. I love talking about it because it's so creative and there's so much room for creativity. And mm-hmm. like, um, for me, and I'm so glad I remembered this because this is one of my favorite things and I haven't done it in a minute. Um, but I, I, um, when I'm really stressed, I want beauty and I want a minute away and I want travel. And sometimes I want to like go to a restaurant and like drink a really great glass of wine and eat something really delicious. And sometimes like the budget like doesn't stretch for that. Mm -hmm. Like there's just like not room for that. And like sometimes the thing I want, like I can't afford whether it's because of time or money or whatever the thing is. And, um, especially, last year, that was one of the things is like, at the end of the day, I just wanted to go someplace lovely and eat some like cheese and drink a glass of wine. And like, I just wanted to like jet off to Italy for a minute. Well, I started doing this thing where, um, in the movie under the Tuscan sun, 
it's one of my favorite movies. She talks about um, how every once in a while she goes to a little bar she knows, conveniently located in her backyard. <laughs> and it shows her in her backyard with a bottle of wine, like just sitting in the sun, enjoying her time. And something about that like really clicked with me. And so I've started doing, and again, I haven't done it in a little bit, um, but I would either go out onto my porch or I would sit at my kitchen counter and I would make it a little bar I know. And I would pour usually a tiny glass of wine because I'm like a major lightweight and I don't need even a full glass, but I'd pour like a half glass of wine. And I would cut up a little cheese board and I'd make it like really cute. And I would just, and I'd put on like some like soothing kind of like maybe Italian wine drinking music. <laughs> and I would either sit at the little bar I know, which was like the breakfast bar in my kitchen, mm-hmm. or I would sit on my patio and I would just like, only, like kind of let my sort of imagination just like kind of take me away or I would watch a show about travel or something like that and I just would like travel for the afternoon and so every once in a while Carl would come home from work like in the middle of it and I like pour him a little glass and give him some cheese and he'd be like hanging out at the bar I'm like hanging out at the bar I love it just we can infuse our lives with these little moments of joy and pleasure and delight and rest and space and whether it's in the shower or eating cheese and drinking a half a glass of wine mm-hmm. at our breakfast bar, or it doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't yeah. have to be extensive. Yep. It can be anything. And I think that that's just acknowledging how multifaceted we are and how incredibly wonderfully made we are. And it's worshipful. It's not just this indulgence of like, oh, Steph's like taking some time to treat herself. Like, no, she's worshiping with her senses. Yeah. I have a friend, Chloe, who's really good, I would say, at self-care. And one of the things she does, she has kids who are the same age as mine, and she plates her kids' food, which seems absurd <laughs> at first glance that, like, you you know, you cut up your hot dogs and, like, or if you feed your kids hot dogs, <laughs> like, you f- cut up the little kid food bites, but then she plates it really beautifully. She'll make, you know, one of those avocado roses uh-huh. for her daughter, and I'm like, isn't she just going to destroy it and, like, smush it up her nose? Like, yes, but I think it's... T- like Chloe talks about that taking that beat to create beauty in the mundane, especially as a mom, and to acknowledge that like my kids are worth this and I'm worth this. It's just like this act of worship and this act of just creating a small pocket of space where you're like, thanks God and wow God. I just think I love that. I love that so much. Oh gosh. Okay, Mari, I know that you, um, one of the things, that one of the questions we got a lot was, about, um, I don't have time for this. Mm, Like mm -hmm. I just, I, my life is so full and your life is really full. And I know that one of the things that it requires, that rest and self-care requires of us is saying no sometimes. Mm -hmm. You've had to say kind of a big no lately. And I would love to hear about that. So the news, um, the no that I've had to say is actually to my position here at Stephanie Mae Wilson, Um, I am stepping away. I'm transitioning out of my job here and we're both really sad about it. Steph and I are going to go cry into our burritos later. (laughs) But, um, right before I make Mari sign a contract that we will still be absolutely just as good (laughs) friends forever. Okay. It'll create more room for friendship. Yeah, it will. Um, I think that I sort of want to like backtrack a little bit because I think in the same way that we see people's highlight reel, on Instagram or something and like it creates this false sense of like they're doing everything. I think that sometimes when we do talk about the need for rest, we just see people are then willing to share like their failure reel and you don't see that there's ways that that could have been avoided or steps that that could have taken. So I feel like the failure reel quote unquote of mine would be like, I have to quit. There's not enough time. 
But the way that I got there, I think, is also really important because I, I think I should acknowledge some of the mistakes I made along the way so that girls listening maybe could avoid some of those, but also, I hope, learn from them in the way that I'm learning from them slowly, as I always do. <laughs> um, I found out that I was pregnant with my second daughter shortly after I started, after I agreed to work with Steph. Um, and without consulting the major players in my life, without consulting God, without consulting my husband or without considering my kids or even without consulting myself really and being like, can you do this girl? I just decided like, yep, on it. Like I, and I, part of it's like my achiever mentality part of it was that I love Steph and, you know, I love working with her and didn't want to give that up. And part of it was like, I really, I think it was like a level of ignorance. I didn't realize that it was going to be what it was. I've never had two kids before. Um, so I had my daughter 11 weeks ago and I took a maternity leave and then sort of jumped back in and quickly realized that this is really intense. And not only am I not getting what I need to get done. I'm also not creating time for rest and I'm also not feeding myself in a way that's life-giving. Um, I just was, I said yes to too much, I guess is like what you were saying. Um, and it took me a minute to admit it. I think it's really hard. I think because a lot of the things we talked about that as women, we are told if you can do it, you should do it. So I think that was part of it that was a little confusing for me. It was like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. I'm working part-time and I have two kids and I'm helping my husband with his business and I'm breastfeeding and I'm not sleeping. I'm doing all of these things. Clearly I can, so I should. And I think that that's a lie that needs to be nipped in the bud consistently. And it's really hard because we are in this great and wonderful season for girls where I'm allowed to do all of that and that's amazing and I'm encouraged to and I'm doing it well in a way but I also recognize that when you do something like that I came to realize and I had to make a lot of apologies um for it was that when you say yes to too much you I ended up hurting people twice in that along the way like I'm only human, so things started falling through the cracks at home and at work and in in my mental state. I'm only I ended up only giving, you know, 70 to 80% to everyone because there's just not a lot, enough left in the tank. So everyone's getting my half effort and that's not really fair. That's hurtful. And then at the end, like it gets to a certain point where it, I had to come to Steph and have that hard conversation of like I can't do this anymore. And then instead of having a, you know, an easier transition where we could have worked together and pulled someone else in, it it had to be more abrupt and it hurt Steph and it hurt my kids and it hurt my husband. And I had to go around, (laughs) I had to do like an apologies tour and just say sorry to everyone that like, that was really foolish and selfish and misguided of me to do everything that I can do just because I thought that I should. Um, that quote that we were talking about earlier, you can't and you shouldn't set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. It seems like a great thing to say yes to everything and be as helpful as you can and to do all the things that you can do, but it's not. It's actually hurtful in the long run because not only are you not giving your full effort, but then like 
it reaches a certain point and you kind of have to just like burn it down. You mm-hmm. can't just then, once you realize it, squeeze in big pockets of rest and big priority reorganization. Mm-hmm. It has to kind of just be completely taken apart and put back together. And that's more painful than it would have to be if from the beginning you're making these really big intentional decisions about rest. So as we're talking about this in the podcast and we're saying like rest begets rest and make these little decisions every day and it'll eventually feed these bigger decisions. That's why it's not just because rest is important, but also because you end up hurting people and yourself when you don't set yourself up to rest. Um, so that's the big sad news is that I'm transitioning out of my job to feed the priorities that I have created since in light of all of that, um, you know, to be more intentional with my kids and with my husband and with my own business and with my own creativity and with my own rest. Like I'm going to go take some naps and like, that's (laughs) great and fine and wonderful. And I should have seen that all along. Um, so that's my news. Well, we, oh gosh, I'm, I'm going to try not to cry just because I love you so much. I, Mari, you have been like the best gift to me and to this space and to all the girls who have gotten to interact with you. You have just made everything that we've been doing here for the last like eight months so much better than it ever could have been without you. And, um, I'm so sad to lose you. I'm so sad, but I'm also really proud of you. And, um, and it's funny. Cause like when you came to me and told me this, I was like, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I know. Yes. I think it should be sad that Steph gave me every opportunity. <laughs> like Steph was like the voice of God in my life for a while. And I was like, nah, I'm good. God, like Steph gave me every opportunity to scale back or to quit. And like, she must've asked me 4,000 times, like, are you sure you want to do this? Is this still good? Still going great? And I was like, got it, girl. <laughs> I'm great. I can do it. So I should. And like, that's not true. I, I just, I love that you said that just because you can, doesn't mean you should, because that's the thing I run into all the time. Of like, I have 10% left. I should give it away. Mm-hmm. No, you shouldn't. No. Like you can, but you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mari, I just, Oh, and we'll, we'll cry into our burritos a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really, I'm super sad to, to lose you because you aren't, you've been just an insane asset to me and to this community. And like, we're all so much better for having had you. Um, but I'm also really excited about this next season because I just, the things you are creating are so beautiful and wonderful. Thank you. That means so much to me. They're really, really good. And, um, like y'all, if you don't follow Mari yet, go follow her one for Ada videos, but two, (laughs) because like there are things that Mari has said specifically in the last year about grief, um, and about how to talk to someone who's going through something really hard. And I mean, just, you've written so many things, Mari, that I, I'm constantly pointing people to, um, the, the things that God is doing in you and through you are really beautiful. And so I love that you're having more, like, I love that you're taking the step to intentionally create more space for that. And I'm just really glad that now we can just go and eat burritos more (laughs) and just have more friendship time. (laughs) That is true. And I feel like I should acknowledge, I don't take it lightly that you girls in Stephanie's community, um, through my time with Stephanie, a lot of you have opened yourself up to me and been vulnerable or asked for advice or, 
um, shared your stories with me, and I don't take that lightly. Um, it's been one of the great joys of my life to work with y'all and to hear your stories and to connect with you either through the single life course and we're in the Facebook group together and everyone's crying and sharing their stories and figuring out these really tough questions about God and who we are and who God says we are. And I don't take it lightly that you've shared with me and opened your hearts to me and I, it means a lot to me. Um, and I want the girls who listen and who have shared with me to know that um, it's been really, really meaningful and beautiful to me um, to see that community, to be a part of it, um, and that you guys have trusted me in that way. Um, that means a lot to me, and I have learned a lot from you guys, too. Hmm. You girls. I think that um, my favorite part about this is that like this is just the beginning. Like, so they won't get to hear from you like in in my inbox anymore yeah. but like you are going to be even more available to them to inspire them and teach them true. And, like they so so Mari's not going anywhere for me or for you you can still hear from her and like let's be honest you will be back on the podcast so it's just it's a small <laughs> transition so. in a way but um Mari just thank you for being here of course you guys, isn't Mari the best? I just love her and I loved this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to say is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode and so if you want to find the links to any of those things, any of the books, any of the resources, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com and for every episode we have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we mentioned including Mari's contact info so y'all can follow her and so y'all can be friends and so y'all can binge watch Ada videos because seriously, they're the best. All right, friends, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but we've reached the end of season two. Before we go, I wanted to just take a second to say thank you. I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed having these girls' nights with you. Thank you so much for being here, for listening, for sharing about the show, for the sweet messages you've been sending to me over on Instagram, and for the amazing reviews you've left over on iTunes. My heart is totally overflowing. I've just loved getting to connect with y'all in this way. Guys, I'm really going to miss hanging out with y'all each week, but I'm so glad I don't have to miss y'all for long because we are already hard at work on a full third season of Girls' Nights. We're going to be taking a short break, but we'll be back for season three in May. In the meantime, though, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure to do that today. That way you'll be the very first to know when we come back with more episodes. And if you haven't already, it would mean so much to me if you would take a few seconds to leave a rating and a review about how you've liked our Girls' Nights so far. So many of you have left five-star ratings with the sweetest reviews, and I can't tell you how much that means to me. It's also so helpful in helping the podcast grow. iTunes takes those ratings and reviews really seriously, and it makes a really big difference. And so if you haven't had a chance to review the show yet, would you do me a huge favor and leave a quick rating and a quick review before we sign off for the season? It would be such a gift to me. Friends, thank you so much again for listening, for joining us here at Girls' Night. I hope you have a wonderful break, and I'll see you back here very soon.